Reading notes number nine, Map and Territory by Eliezer Yudkowsky. Sorry that I said that wrong. I'm certain that I did. Map and Territory is actually the first book of a larger ebook called Rationality from AI to Zombies and is a collection of essays about rational thinking. And you can access all of these essays at lesswrong.com. It sounds like a sponsor message, but it's not. It's just me talking. So this book is an approachable and nicely organized look at rational thought, what it is, how to do it, and what stops it from happening for most of us. So let's start there, maybe with what rational thought is, at least according to this book. So I guess thinking rationally is really about comparing what you expect to happen with what does happen, and then noticing where these things line up and where they don't, and adjusting your expectations and trying again. In other words, rational thinking isn't a set of beliefs or logical proofs or rules. It's a a way of thinking or trying to think. And the goal is to think in a way that matches up with reality as much as possible. So rational thinking can help us form more accurate expectations about reality and then use them maybe to navigate reality in a way that's better for us. Instrumental rationality is about steering reality sending the future where you want it to go. It's the art of choosing actions that lead to outcomes ranked higher in your preferences. I sometimes call this winning. So that seems helpful. Um, Thinking rationally does not mean being emotionless. This is not a thinking versus feeling dichotomy, which is good, I think, and feel. When people think of emotion and rationality as opposed, I suspect that they are really thinking of system one and system two. Fast perceptual judgments versus slow deliberative judgments. System 2's deliberative judgments aren't always true, and System 1's perceptual judgments aren't always false. So it is very important to distinguish that dichotomy from rationality. Both systems can serve the goal of truth or defeat it depending on how they are used. So our fast perceptual judgments can be based on a long history of rational thinking, knowledge collecting, experimenting, and noticing, and they may turn out to be true most of the time. Our feelings may encourage us to make quick decisions that feel right, those hunches, intuitions, that gut feeling, and then turn out to be right. This goes along with Robert Greene's idea in Mastery that a hallmark of a master is this intuitive knowing about one's chosen field or area of interest. Becoming more rational, arriving at better estimates of how the world is, can diminish feelings or intensify them. We might use rational thinking to find out that something is true and then wish that it weren't. And when rational thinking destroys a closely held little bit of magical thinking, for example, you might feel sad and disappointed. But when rational thinking supports a decision you already want to make or removes an obstacle you feared, you might feel pretty happy about it. But either way, feelings don't make a thought rational or irrational. And feelings, even strong feelings, lots of feelings, do not mean you're bad at thinking. That's kind of a relief, honestly. But I know now that there's nothing wrong with feeling strongly. Ever since I adopted the rule of that which can be destroyed by the truth should be, I've also come to realize that which the truth nourishes should thrive. When something good happens, I am happy, and there is no confusion in my mind about whether it is rational for me to be happy. 
So there are a few terms or descriptions which pop up and explain things I've felt or done or experienced but never quite had a way to describe before. For example, the illusion of transparency. Closely related is the illusion of transparency. We always know what we mean by our words and so we expect others to know it too. Don't be too quick to blame those who misunderstand your perfectly clear sentences, spoken or written. Chances are your words are more ambiguous than you think. I don't like to go back and read my own writing very often, and whenever I do, I always hit a point when I'm like, what the fuck was I talking about here? Yes, I get confused by my own writing. Editing helps, of course, but that's too bad for you poor suckers on my email list because these babies get only the most cursory glance before I send them out fresh from my brain and all its confusion and glorious inconsistency straight to yours. Sorry about that. Anyway, we also have a tendency to focus on the details so much that we completely lose sight of the big picture. A society well protected against minor hazards takes no action against major risks, building on floodplains once the regular minor floods are eliminated. This is true, actually. The town we lived in in Missouri was in a floodplain, and it got flooded regularly. And every time it did, everybody was like, oh, the river, it flooded. And then they proceeded to just like clean it up and go back to living in the same homes along the river. And then acted surprised every time it happened the next year. Another good example of this is when somebody wrecks their car because they were trying not to spill their coffee. Or when we put all our energy into getting the external details lined up, better job, safer car, 401k, new curtains, getting that dental plan added to our health insurance, and then wake up one day and realize, fuck, I am totally miserable and I hate my life. That sort of thing. Focusing on the minors and ignoring the majors is a common problem because it's easier to fix details than to deal with big shit. And when you have some big shit to deal with and you're not dealing with it, it puts you on edge. And then you really can't handle the details falling apart because you're on edge. You're all tense. You're all like tightened and wound up. You're feeling unstable or unhappy. And you need some way to feel better, like everything is okay, like you've got it handled. I am convinced that this kind of scenario is why many women at some point in their lives become super controlling about all these very minor household and family details. I know that that was certainly has been a situation for me, and it still is at times. If I'm upset about some bigger issue, but either can't do anything about it or I'm just ignoring it because I don't know what to do, then I tend to have a very low tolerance for minor stuff going wrong. On the other hand, when I feel good about the majors, secure, okay, peaceful, then the minor stuff is no big deal even if it does go wrong, because it's minor and the majors are in place. And so I feel confident and secure in the majors and I can flex with the minors. Turns out that when you're able to deal with the big shit to make some headway on the majors, then you can really let go of more details. It's not always easy to do though. I'm certainly not good at it. Okay, let's talk about ignorance. But ignorance exists in the map, not in the territory. If I am ignorant about a phenomenon, that is a fact about my own state of mind not a fact about the phenomenon itself. A phenomenon can seem mysterious to some particular person. There are no phenomena which are mysterious of themselves. To worship a phenomenon because it seems so wonderfully mysterious is to worship your own ignorance. Ooh, that's a good one. Last quote, which made me think a lot about writing and why I do it and what I hope to accomplish and what I'm looking for when I read or study or research or discuss things I care about with people I trust. Rational thought produces beliefs which are themselves evidence. If your tongue speaks truly, your rational beliefs which are themselves evidence can act as evidence for someone else. 
Therefore, rational beliefs are contagious among honest folk who believe each other to be honest. <laughs>